Good morning, of country. Aloha, everyone online. If you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. I'm going to move right into our message today as uh, Zach had already prayed. And what a great and sweet time of worship we've had. Uh, there's just something about coming together and being able to worship. And, you know, on a Sunday morning, on a beautiful day, and uh, breeze blowing. I just, it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, is, is physically moving. You can feel him. So anyway, this morning, Revelation chapter 13, and the title of our message is, Who is this Antichrist? Who is this Antichrist? Now, I'm throwing that out to you because that's been something Christians been asking throughout the ages. Who, who is this Antichrist? We know he's to come. We know he's to come and take over the world and be a world leader and all, but who, who is this? Well, some names that have been thrown out on the table throughout the ages have been like in ancient time, many believers thought it was Caesar Nero. In the days of the Reformation, Martin Luther said it was the Pope. And you know what, throughout the years, many people have thought maybe it is the Pope, the different Popes that come through, and some even has, have looked at him as a false prophet, which we're going to be studying uh, probably in a few weeks here. Through the years, uh, there have been different people, and like in nine, the 1940s, many felt that it was Adolf Hitler, and we can see why, and how he is trying to take over the whole world, Right? During the Cold War, there's speculation that the Antichrist was the leader of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. And those of you who are older maybe remember those days. In recent times, though, some have said it, it, it could even have been, I remember this, President Obama. When he got elected, I remember, though, when he went to Europe and after he got elected, made a speech, and all the Europeans came out like he was this rock star. And though I don't believe he is the Antichrist, but you get that feeling of how, how, how the world embraces one individual. With that, a lot of people are thinking, well, I think it's Hillary Clinton. Some people still think that, especially in a push toward globalism. Other candidates recently was like Jared Kushner, right? He traveled to the Middle East to broker this peace deal with Israel and the Palestinian and the other Arabs. But, um, and I don't think that's going too well right now, right? Um, other names that have been thrown out even more recently is Erdogan, which is the, the president of Turkey, and he's totally against Israel. Another candidate, and that is Emmanuel Macron, president of France, uh, trying to really drive the EU take, EU, take it further than uh, it is today. And, and some even, after our election, think it's President Biden. Some even, I just read this, I, was, I didn't know this, but some even uh, think that maybe it's former President Trump. So all kinds of ideas out there who the antichrist is but you know let me tell you no one knows i'll tell you that no one knows at least for now at least for now one day he will come on the scene one day he will show his colors one day everything will come to pass in what is predicted in the bible it'll, it'll, it'll come to fruition well the world will see it 
So should we as believers, as Christians, be looking for the Antichrist? Should, should that be what we're looking for? Well, you know, for me, I say, why? Why? I mean, we will not be here, right, when he comes on the scene because the rapture will come first. And then he appears on the world stage. So our concern is not for the Antichrist, but Jesus Christ. Amen? Yet, it is good to study what the Bible predicts about this Antichrist. And let me tell you why. Because it helps us understand what is going on in our world today. In our crazy, mixed up, uh, whole pandemic. I mean, there's so so much stuff changing, right? But understanding... This person who's coming will help us understand what we're going through today before the rapture. And that's what we're going to see today is really in Revelation 13, we're going we're to find the answer to this question. Who is this Antichrist? That's the title of our message. Now, we're going to do this in two parts. I was, I was really, my whole effort this week was to do do. Uh, verses 1 through 10 in, in one message. But as things were unfolding to me, it just ended up two. And I know you guys don't want to be here like for five hours and everything, right? But so I chopped it up into two sections. And so today is who is this Antichrist part one. And we're going to be covering verses one through four. Verses one through four. And then next time we're going to take five through ten. That'll be part two. Today our outline is this, the one who will come to rule the world. Who is this Antichrist? Number one, the one who will come to rule the world. Number two, the one who the world will come to worship. And I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek. Next time we're going to see number three, the one who will turn the world against God. And number four, the one who the world will, will turn over their lives. So that, that's giving you a, an idea of what we're going to be seeing next time. But for today... Two things, the one who will come to rule the world, and number two, the one who the world will come to worship. So that's our outline. Let's begin here with number one, the one who will come to rule the world. The one who will come to rule the world. Now, if you're taking notes, we're going to be covering verses one and two of chapter 13 here, verses one and two. And let's actually read, read this. Take a look at it right now. We're going to be taking it apart little by little. But let's, let's look at this. Verses 1 and 2, it says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast, verse 2, that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And we'll stop there now. So we begin here with John now. He, he, he's writing what he sees next. He says here in verse 1, I saw a beast. Now, I'll tell you ahead of time, who is this beast? This beast is the Antichrist. It's, it's, he's named in, in the other writings of John. First uh, John and Second John, he's, this is the Antichrist of who we all know and have heard about. This is the beast here in Revelation. In Revelation, he's called the beast. Now, before I go on, I want you to take note of some. Last time, 
towards the end of the message, I, last week, I misstated something here. I, um, I, I, I went ahead and said, I saw the beast, and I said, like, oh, in the King James, it says that um, I saw, and it's not John. Well, this is John here in verse 1. What I meant was, um, in the New King James, verse 1 says, I um, stood on the sand of the sea, and that's what I meant, that that was Satan standing on the sea there, standing on over the world, looking over. And, and so I just want to clear up there in what the ESV says, how it caps it at the end of verse 17 in chapter 12. He, that is Satan, that's more properly translated. So anyway, I just want to make sure uh, that you understood that. Anyway, in this section, God now, he's bringing us in to another episode, so to speak. He's bringing us into this section where he talks about another player on, you know what, basically team evil. And there's a team evil in the time of the seven-year tribulation. Now remember, let's back up for a moment, get our bearing here. Remember, the seventh trumpet had been sounded at the, uh, ba- the last section of chapter 11. The seventh trumpet sounded. It was marking. This is the end. The end is coming, right? Because out of the seventh trumpet will come out the seven bold judgments. They'll be poured out. And those are, that's the last judgment before Jesus returns. So this is, this is right here. This is the, the, the last uh, a section, the last turn, we're coming in to a home finish here, the finish line. But before that happened, we got into chapter 12, you remember? And in chapter 12, God gave us this overview of what the war with evil has been all about. And the first six verses we saw in Revelation chapter 12, I titled it, The Long War of Satan. And so we saw how God... Right, unfolded before us, just an overview. What's been going on with evil and Satan and his end is coming, but he's like, Let me let me give you some understanding, let me give you some background here with that. So that's what we saw the long war of Satan. And then in the rest of chapter twelve, God gives what Satan will do in the end, in the tribulation time, in the last half of the tribulation, knowing that his end is coming, knowing that Jesus is going to return. And that's what I titled the last two weeks, The Devil's Last Campaign. So now that season, so to speak, remember I talked about this is like TV seasons, you know, the TV show. That season ended and with, with Satan standing there. Now we go on to the new season. Now we go on to the next chapter. And God goes on to explain some other things that have been going on in the tribulation. And he focuses in, he brings up another player on Satan's team, on team evil during the tribulation. And so here... John writes what God is showing him, the beast rising up out of the sea. Now, the word beast in the Greek, it means a venomous, dangerous, like wild animal, which is exactly who the Antichrist, he's dangerously wicked. And so John sees the Antichrist rising out of the sea. We, we tie this, though, um, we believe, um, we tie it to Revelation seventeen fifteen that this scene that the sea or the great waters we see in that chapter, it symbolizes the people of the world. So we see this beast, the Antichrist, rising out of the sea of people, 
Here's the Antichrist rising up into prominence. And this gives us a, a clue about the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a very real person. He is a person. And let me add to that, well, if you remember what we read in Revelation chapter 11, verse 7, it says the beast rises from the bottomless pit. Remember the bottomless pit was the abyss, it was hell, right? And these demons were, were released from there, and the beast also, the Antichrist also. So the Antichrist, if you put those things together, the Antichrist is a man empowered by a very wicked and powerful demon. So that's how he is so evil. That's, that's part of his power and presence in the world. So here's the first thing I want you to see and put in your minds. The Antichrist is a very real and wicked person who rises up onto the world stage. So understand that. Who is this Antichrist? Well, first of all, he, he's a very real and wicked person. He rises up here onto the world stage. We ended last week with this scene, remember, of Satan standing there at the edge of the world, looking after his defeat in heaven. He's losing on this war on earth. He can't get to the Christians there. And, and remember, I mentioned he's like standing there. You know, at the end of verse 17 in the ESV, he's, he just stood there on the sand of the sea, the edge of the world, looking down on the people. And I could picture just steam coming out of his ears. Well, with this, now in chapter 13, the Antichrist is presented rising up on the world scene. And see, from Satan, we see now Satan's main man on the earth. The Antichrist is a.k.a. otherwise known as the man of sin, the Bible tells us. He's called the son of perdition or destruction. He's called the lawless one. He's called here the beast, and he's an evil beast. And so here's Satan's main man. Yeah, you can say that uh, the Antichrist, he's like the number two man to Satan. He's like the number two of the unholy trinity. We have Satan, we have the Antichrist, and we're going to see later in this chapter the false prophet. And so that's like the unholy trinity. Someone said that uh, if Satan had a son, it would be the Antichrist. So, Chapter 13, this first part, it looks into the most wicked person to have ever walked the earth. And that's what I want to put out to you guys. Here, the Antichrist, we see, is a very real and wicked person. He's empowered by a demon, and he rises up onto the world stage. All right, so he rising out of the sea, out of the sea of people, and look at this beast. And a beast is probably a, a good description or, or label for him, uh, especially in our day and what we think of a beast, because look at this description of him. I mean, this is crazy. It says in verse 13, with ten horns, seven heads, with ten diadems on his horns, and blasphemous names on his head. So let, let's take this apart a little bit. It, it, it's a crazy looking wild animal beast here. But the, this is really speaking symbolically now. Symbolically, this beast, first of all, we see in verse 13, it had ten horns. And if you skip the, the seven heads, we're going to get to that in a moment. There's ten diadems or crowns on those horns. Now, horns in the Old Testament and in the Bible, it symbolizes strength 
empower. It symbolized the horns, right, were used for attack and defense. And so the, the horns speak about this power. Then the, the number 10, that there's 10 horns, well, you know what that connects to? That connects to Daniel chapter 7, the prophecy of the revival of the old Roman Empire, right? Made up of 10 nations of, of the once Roman Empire. So that connects us really to Daniel chapter 7, the prophecy there. And then the diadems, the crowns, speak of his, really the Antichrist's kingly authority, he will be the leader of this, this ten-nation coali- coalition. So that's the second thing I want you to see. The Antichrist rises up as the head over a ten-nation coalition made up of countries from the old Roman Empire. So the ten horns, with the ten crowns, that's what it speaks of. His power, his authority, he, he ends up being the head over this ten-nation coalition or confederacy made up of that old Roman Empire. You, you remember our studies in Daniel, and if you don't remember, if you don't listen, you, know, you can go back and listen to, go on our website, you can get to the old messages there, and listen to these messages that we did in Daniel 7 or 11 and all around there, Daniel 9, and, and that'll help you kind of remember these things, but here, this Antichrist rises up as a head of that ten-nation uh, confederacy coalition. The Antichrist, I believe, most likely, the Antichrist will rise up to become the leader, and this is what I believe, the European Union. We, we have that today, the EU, which has been, actually today is made up of many countries, but many of these countries are part of the old Roman Empire. The EU is currently made up of 27 countries, but here's an interesting thing that happened. I mentioned this years ago, but I'll bring it up to you again. Uh, in 2018, the defense ministers now from France, Germany, from Italy, Spain, Britain, Netherlands, Belgium, Portugal, Denmark, and Estonia, they got together and they formed a 10-nation coalition of armed forces. They wanted to make sure that as a EU, they would be able to take care of any, anything that would come up. And they could take action. So they combined their forces, these ten nations. Now we know since then, uh, Britain has pulled out, right, the Brexit, you know, from the EU. But as far as I know today, they still remain part of that defense force now. So it could be maybe the ten comes from what we see happening right now. Isn't that interesting? And another interesting thing, and this is me, you know who, who, who really was a voice informing this? Emmanuel Macron, the president of France. Just throwing that out there. But anyway, I don't know. And then, and then you know, recently, right, with the pullout of the U.S. and Afghanistan, the EU, you know what, they're reassessing and reorganizing their EU army because, you know what they say, we can't rely on the U.S. anymore. We can't rely on NATO anymore. So they're, they're even pulling it in even more stronger. So it could be now, it could be that when time comes, 
the Antichrist will rise up and he will head this 10-nation military coalition and they'll become the main power. They'll become the head. And he's going to be the leader of that. Now, this is just me. Uh, but either way, whatever these nations are, we know the Bible, we, we know what it said in Daniel, we know what it's saying here in uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, that there's ten horns with ten crowns, so it's going to be this ten nation, right? Whatever exact nations it's going to end up being. God can rearrange the pieces. I'm just looking at it today, thinking, well, maybe this is how the pieces will be rearranged. So, the second thing is the Antichrist rises up as the head over a ten-nation coalition made up of countries from the old Roman Empire. So this is what we see with the ten horns and the ten crowns on this beast. Well, also in verse 1 it says that this beast has seven heads and blasphemous names on its heads. So what is this? Well, let me give you just... The idea, first of all, this symbolizes, this speaks of how the Antichrist will be the leader of a world empire, of a world power, of a one world government. See, this one world government that he's going to head up, it will follow in line with seven other world Powers, And that's what these seven heads represent. In their time in history, these heads, and I mentioned this right, uh, uh, last chapter, uh, chapter I think it was, in, in, or chapter 11, but in their time in history, these heads, the seven heads, they symbolize these countries. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, we talked about them, right, in the book of Daniel, a world power, Medo-Persia, Greece was once a world po- power, And at the time of John writing this, who was the world power? Rome. So that's the seven heads. That that was the main countries that were world powers. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. So now, along with that, the Antichrist is going to head up a world power. An eighth world power. And then God makes a note here at the end of verse 13. Like these other seven empires, this last world power will dishonor God, putting up blasphemous names. That means they're going to deify false gods. They're going to not honor God as God. They're going to lift up idols. And even we saw, right, like Caesar or uh, during the Roman times, he wanted to be deified. Caesar is God, things like that. Well, that's what's going to happen here also as it did in these other Uh, world empires and we know the story we're going to talk about it uh the antichrist he's gonna stand up then and declare himself to be god himself to be god so here's the third third thing i want you to see is the antichrist will take his coalition and turn it into the final godless global government this is what's laying out for us here. Just in this first verse, you see, there's, there's a lot in here to see. It's not just this crazy-looking creature, but it's symbolizing what the Antichrist is going to do in becoming that, that leader of a one-world government. 
Do you remember back in um, Revelation chapter 6, verse 2? Uh, you can turn there if you want, but if you remember when the seven seals were open and we have the Lamb Jesus opening them up, and the first thing we had the four horsemen of the apocalypse come out. You can listen to those messages again. But the first horse in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2 John writes, and I look and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering to conquer. And who was that? The Antichrist, remember? So now we, we get a little more detail here in Revelation 13 of all that is going on. That he will become this head of this ten nation confederacy right but then that 10 nation confederacy is going to end up taking over the world as a global government and then the antichrist will be the leader of that global government so what we've seen just in this first verse we've seen the antichrist will be this wicked evil ruler. he's he's a real person right he's going to rise up out of out of that 10 nation coalition be its head and then that what he heads up will become the last world power. And then look at verse 2. Then there's some more descriptions of this beast. Verse 2 says, And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Now, I, I can't even imagine if I were to draw this beast, what it looked like. I, 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 it's too hard, right? It's too crazy looking. And, and it has to be that the, this is symbolic to who this beast is. It's helping us understand what he does. And so here, when God shows John this beast, and John writes down, you know what? He was like this leopard, right? What is he saying? Well, leopards are really fast. So think about this beast is fast, and then it says its feet were like bears. I think about those powerful claws that a bear have. And then its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And I think about when a lion opens its mouth and you see his teeth and what comes out, his fierce roar. Now we've seen these three animals before in the Bible, haven't we? You know where? Again, Daniel, the prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, when God gave him this vision of these animals, and, and they represented kingdoms of the world. The lion represented the Babylonian Empire, the bear, the Medo-Persian Empire, and the leopard, who was really fast in taking over the world, was the Grecian Empire. And remember, that, that, was, that was what... Uh, was given to him. That was that order. The, the Babylonian Empire, Medo-Persian, Grecian Empire, right? That was the order that, that we see even in history today. Now, interesting though, Daniel saw the lion, bear, and the leopard. But here John, when he sees it, he sees it the other way around. The leopard, the bear, the lion. Why is that? Well, you know what I think? I think Daniel was, was looking ahead to what was going to happen. Right? He was in Babylon. The next thing was going to be the Medo-Persian Empire. The next thing was going to be the Grecian Empire. So he saw the lion, the bear, and the leopard. Right? But John is on the other side of history now. And when he looks back, right, he's in Rome right now. What was before Rome? Oh, the leopard, Greece. What was before that? The Medo-Persian, the bear. And what was before that? The Babylonian. So anyway, 
Bible scholars kind of like that little tidbit. So you can have that. Take note of that. It's free. No. Anyway. So the Antichrist then will come and he'll head this last world empire that is like a combo of the past world empires. When he comes, he's going to come fast. He's going to take over fast. He's going to be powerful in how he does that. And he's going to be fierce in it all. And again, when we studied Daniel, we saw these things happening. His conniving, his power, how he took over uh, countries and fought against armies like that. And behind it all, we see in verse 2, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Who's the dragon? Satan. Behind it all, Satan gives him his power, the capability to lead like this, to be this ruler. He gave the, the, the Antichrist great authority. He put him up there as the head of this last one world government. Satan is the one who gives the power, the authority. He's the one who, who gives him this uh, ability to take over the whole world fast, powerfully, and fiercely. So here's the fourth thing here. The takeover of the world by the Antichrist will come fast, powerfully, and with fierceness. With fierceness. You know, I was thinking about this. You remember in, um, when in Ezekiel 38-39 is fulfilled. Remember, that's a prophecy. Gog, Magog, of Persia. Uh, of today, we say when Russia, when Iran... When Turkey, and the interesting thing, I was just reading, Turkey has moved away from NATO. Turkey used to be part of this, this, you know, friendly with the West. But they've moved away. They're now in line with, they're, they're super tight with Russia, Turkey, um, uh, Iran, right? These countries that's in the news. That's coming together like never before in history. Understand that. That's prophecy being fulfilled. Ezekiel 38, 39. When, when, and, and remember what these Muslim countries, like today is be Ethiopia. Uh, I, I think it was um, Ethiopia. Um, anyway, those other countries, Muslim countries together. When they come together, they're going to come together and they're going to attack Israel. But the prophecy tells us in Ezekiel that God will miraculously save the nation. It'll look like they're done for. Yeah? All these nations converging upon little old Israel. And it's not really going to be their military strength, which they are pretty strong and maybe they could hold them. But they're going to see a huge miracle in God saving them. And so when that happens... And God saves them and defeats, say, Russia, this superpower right now. You know what I see? There's going to be a vacuum of power. And the Antichrist will make his move. I think that's when he's going to make his move. Now, before that, I believe the rapture of the church is going to happen. And then this attack on Israel. But, and then after that, it's going to begin the seven years of tribulation, where the Antichrist rises up. So in that vacuum of power, the Antichrist will make his move. Maybe he'll rise up in this ten-nation confederacy coalition here. And then he's going to move on to, to taking over the whole world, and that will become this one-world government. So this brings us to our heading, which is our main point. The beast is the Antichrist. 
the one who will come to rule the world. So in these first two verses, we see the beast is the Antichrist, the one who will come to rule the world. Now, what's been interesting is how leaders of different countries today, how they're changing with this whole pandemic, the coronavirus and everything going on. You know, I was just reading, last March, leaders of 24 countries and the WHO, the World Health Organization, came together for this international treaty to help deal with future health emergencies and like what they're trying to handle now with the coronavirus pandemic. Heads of state like Boris Johnson, Angelo Merkel from Germany, Emmanuel Macron from France, plus 21 others, they ended up talking and signing this treaty. And in this treaty had these words, words like this, no government can address the threat of pandemics alone. We must come together. And also this was in this treaty. At a time when COVID-19 has exploited our weaknesses and divisions, we must seize this opportunity and come together as a global community for peaceful cooperation that extends beyond this crisis. Now, I thought that was super interesting because we know the world is heading toward what is called today globalism, right? One world, no separate countries and borders, but coming together. And what I think is this pandemic is accelerating that. And it's bringing countries more together to try and deal with the spread of this disease. See, you might think, will the world really place themselves under one leader? Yeah. Will they really? Will they really come together like that? And there'll be this president of the world or a prime minister of the world. It will. We know it's going to happen. We're reading this. But how, how does it get there? Well, I think it begins with the world getting together to try and solve problems like the coronavirus, climate change. That's been already part of the UN's mantra, right? Sustainability. We need a world economy, right? The U.S. dollar can't be so strong because when it drops, it it affects everybody. And so other countries are trying to bring down the dollar, right? And then the thinkers and the economists want, well, you know what? The best thing to do is have one world economy. Let's get together. The world countries want to get together and end hunger, right? And what's the big issue right now? Inequality. Right? They, they want to end like racial inequality or there's a new word, gender inequality. You see, Satan, this is what I see, Satan is using these issues to set up hearts, set up minds of the people in the world to become willing to get together, to become in need, we got to get together, and then to accept a one-world leader to help them solve these problems. That's what I see. That's how the Antichrist is going to end up being a world leader, and everyone's going to go, yeah. 
This is Satan's step strategy, little by little, step by step, sneaking things into the heart. And I think one of the things is this pandemic. I was thinking about this in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. It says here, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. I, I, I never forgot, I remember when Pastor Chuck was teaching this, and it, it still sticks in my mind, so it came up in my mind here. This is how the devil works. Like the little foxes, they sneak through the fences that are put up. They, they can get in through the little holes and gaps. And they go in and they destroy the grapes. They go in and they, they tear up the little cakey vines that are growing. That's what, the, this, what Solomon 2.15 is really talking about. That's how the devil works. Sneaking in, little by little, step by step. Sneaking things into the hearts of people. Using this whole virus thing to sneak little things to get people to, yeah, we got to get together. Yeah, we can't solve it on our own. And yeah, that's good. But it's all for an end that Satan is setting up today for the Antichrist to one day be accepted as the world leader. That's what he does in our hearts too, you know. Little by little, he'll sneak things in. Little by little, he'll put something in, in there. Little by little, maybe uh, some trouble comes and then you get this little thought uh, negative about Jesus or God and he'll sneak that in. Little by little, something happens and doubt comes in. Just a little doubt. He'll start sneaking things into your, into your heart and into your life. Why? To destroy your love for Jesus. To take your heart from God and give it so that you give it to his pleasures, to what he wants. And then what? You're drawn away from God. Is that what's happening today? Think about this. Do you agree with things that you never did before? Do you accept things that you never did before? Are you allowing compromise to creep in? It doesn't happen like that. It's little by little. He sends the little foxes in. Yeah? Steal some grapes. Eat the grapes. Ruin this. Destroy little kiki vines. Little good vines. We see this in the world today. Satan is methodically setting up the world to be ruled by the Antichrist. And you know what? He does that to us. He wants to ruin us. So little by little, he's setting up our heart to be ruled by our flesh, our sin, and not Jesus. That's how it's going to happen. And that's a strategy even for us today. So who is this Antichrist? Well, number one, he's the one who will come to rule the world. And it's going to happen. It's already starting. The world is being prepared for that. Well, let's go to number two now. This is the next two verses and our last two verses for this morning. Number two is the one who the world will come to worship. The one who the world will come to worship. Now, we're going to take verses three and four here. uh, But take a look at just the first part of verse three. Revelation 13, verse three, it says, One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Let's stop right there. 
Now, what happens here? There's a mortal wound. Something happens uh, symbolically. The head. Um, something's going on, and then he was healed. Well, some say that this speaks of the head as as the kingdom of Antichrist. That. Perhaps it was really talking about the old Roman Empire that had died, gone away, but it seems like it lives again, and the Antichrist is heading it up. And so Rome basically lives again. So that, that's a thought here. Another view, though, is that the head, representing the Antichrist, is actually talking about the Antichrist being mortally wounded. Maybe perhaps an assassination attempt and, and I tend to really believe that. I, I, I tend to really see it that way, that something's going to happen with the Antichrist and maybe an assassination attempt. It looks like he, he's, he's going to die or even have died. I mean, we'll see this in, in a few weeks, but take a peek at Revelation thirteen fourteen. It says, And by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on you, telling them to make an image for the beast. And then it says, That was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So for me, it, it really looks like more him as a leader, the head of this one world government, that something happened here. But notice in verse 14 uh, that we just read and had you look at, it says, it deceives those who dwell on the earth with this image, but also even with that he was wounded and yet lived. I believe something's going to happen to the Antichrist, whether it's a fake mortal wound like, like he's, he's going to die and he doesn't, or he looks like he died, it's fate, and then it looked like he came and lived again. And I, I believe that, that he's, because Satan is a deceiver. Plus, besides that, we know only God can raise the dead, right? Only God can do that. What Satan does is mimic things, and he'll make it look like magic trick, yeah? That something's happened when something he can't do, he'll make it look like he can't. I mean, that's what the devil does. He mimics things. I mean, think about what I just mentioned, right? God has a holy trinity, so he mimics devil. The devil has this unholy trinity. Well, here, what we see, God's truth and salvation, we know, is Jesus' death and resurrection to bring salvation to the lost. But the devil's lying deception is this, and this is the first thing I want you to see here. The Antichrist, fake death, and resurrection is to bring the lost to embrace him. There's a purpose to this. The, this is deception. This is the devil, the, the father of lies, right? The Antichrist, fake death and resurrection is to bring the lost to embrace him. This is how Satan works. He puts things before you, fooling you to Making you to draw your mind to think this way. Away from the truth that is in the word of God. That's how he works. Turn over to the left to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. I I want you to, I, I could quote this, but I really want you to see this with your own eyes to understand. This is how 
evil and wicked Satan is. This is how devious he is. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 says here, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Now the lawless one is the Antichrist. With all power and false signs and wonders. It's going to be like, wow, he has this spiritual power, being able to do miracles. Verse 10, and with all wicked, what, deception, he's going to deceive who? Those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. This is Satan. He prays on those that say, ah, God isn't real. Ah, no, Jesus, my parents did that, but not me. The Bible, ah, the Bible is full of contradictions. It's not true. He he puts those things into you. He sneaks those things into you. And then he gets you because he's going to keep deceiving you and deceiving you. And so those in the world who do not accept Jesus, do not love the truth, do not see the Bible as God's truth, he's just going to pull them in and keep deceiving them and deceiving them more. That's what will happen with the Antichrist. He fakes his death and resurrection. Why? To bring the lost to embrace him. To embrace him. Watch out for those miracle cures. Watch out for those miracle fixes. The devil is really good at making things look real and valid. Careful. He baits you. He baits you into, you know what, leaving the truth of God and you know what he tries to do with Christians? To embrace the world. Yeah. To embrace the world. Child of God, the Lord is speaking to you. God is speaking to you, child of God. He's saying to you today, beloved of God, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. First John 4, 1. Child of God, Test the spirits. Test what's being said. Even if it looks like, whoa, some, some miracle, something's going on. Oh, it sounds so true. Oh, even if you get chicken skin in your list, test the spirit because there's a lot of false talking going on in the world today, right now, more than ever that I've seen. And I'm not just talking about false religions or, or, or spiritual uh, uh, perspectives talking about like our our everyday news yeah i'm talking about how it's changing the minds of people social media what's being pushed out i've I've been talking about this in the past months right test the spirits be careful satan is really good at faking things and making it look real all right then in verse 3, it goes on and says that the second part, how this mortal wound was healed. And then it says the whole earth, Revelation thirteen three, the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Well, the world embraces the Antichrist now. The Antichrist looks like he died, but a miracle happens. And look, he lives. And so the whole world Marvel. The word there in the Greek means they were struck with admiration. Admiration. So you see, his plan is working. 
He wins the hearts of the world. And then notice here at the end of verse 3, it says, And they followed the beast. Right? The most evil man who walked the earth. He's putting on his stuff. And they followed him. The NLT translates this. They gave allegiance to the beast. Understand what that means, follow. It's not pledge allegiance to the flag, right? We used to do a long time ago when I was growing up. But to the Antichrist himself. And, and let me give you a little sneak peek, right? At the end, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast at the end of this chapter. But it's all connected to this allegiance yeah, to the Antichrist. So now the Antichrist, this is the one who they want to belong to. They want to follow. They give allegiance to. So here's the second thing. The popularity of the Antichrist will go over the top when he fakes his death and resurrection. It's just, it's going to catapult him there. And all the whole world is just, it's just going to be crazy for him. He's the guy. He's the one. We want to follow him. Maybe they'll make little action figures there. And little kids, you know, parents will ask the little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be like the Antichrist. Well, of course they won't say that, but they'll say his name, right? It's going to be that crazy with this. Daniel chapter 7 tells us the Antichrist will be this great speaker. He's, he's going to be very good at his words. So people are like, whoa, he's, he's great. Daniel 7 tells us he's highly intelligent. So what he says, it, it, it makes sense. He'll, Daniel 7 says he, he'll look good. He'll be handsome. He'll look like a leader, yeah? a strong leader. And it says he's a military genius in Daniel 7. All this means... The Antichrist is going to be everything you want a leader to be. And remember, he comes on the scene, right? He comes on the scene as the savior, quote-unquote, of the world. He's the guy we've been looking for. He's the guy we've been waiting for. He's the one we want to lead us. He's going to, with one hand, grab the world by solving climate change, by fixing the world's economy, uh, ridding the world of coronavirus probably somehow. And with the other hand, well, and with the other hand, he's going to grab the world by, you know what, bringing peace to the Middle East. And we talked about this by the rebuilding of the Jewish temple and seemingly end war on the planet. He's bringing peace. He's the guy. But then this assassination maybe happens, a fake assassination. And when the world, think about this, the world is grieving his death. That was the guy. He was doing so much good. He could have done so much more for us. And it's, it's pulling on their heartstrings at this moment. And then when the world has been manipulated with that sorrow, he will then fake a miraculous healing, rise up from the dead, and he's going to grab the heart of the world. The heart of the world. They've been manipulated, moved by that emotion and so the world passionately grabs the antichrist fully embraces him as their leader and giving allegiance to him he's our king he's the one 
We think of patriotism, right, in our country. We think of our, our, our military or, you know, we, we, we hear the stories and, or watch the movies of these guys giving everything for country, right? Or in Britain, they say, for king and country. Well, think about that going on with the Antichrist. For our Antichrist. Yeah, for him. We're going to fly his banner high. Yeah. We're going to live for him. We're going to die for him. We're going to do everything he wants. So with that in mind now, look at verse 4. It says, And they worship the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? So the world does this unthinkable thing. This is mind-boggling to read this, right? The world worship the dragon. The dragon is Satan. They give Satan honor. They give Satan glory. They deify him. They, they're like, oh, Satan's the one. Satan's the one. What, what is this? The whole world becomes Satanist at this moment? Well, their mind's been flipped around, right? Because the Antichrist, right? He points to Satan and says, you know what? It's not me, you guys. It's Satan who's given me this authority. It's Satan who's given me this power. It's Satan who has brought me back to help you guys. See, it's him. Satan cares for you. He healed, healed me. And so their beloved ruler didn't stay dead. They liked that Satan had healed him. It was by the power of Satan. So the whole world acknowledges, it's Satan. He's good for us. And you see the deception coming, right? It never was Jesus. It never was God, those Christians. See, that's why they were taken out of this world. Yeah. See, they, they had the bad karma, right? The powers to be, the forces, they took away the guys who were, these Christians, these believers who were hindering us. You know who really cares for us? It's Satan. It's the Antichrist. You see these steps? You see how the little things leak in and turns into this huge thing? So the world, of course, in verse 4 says they worship the beast, the Antichrist. Here's their, their beloved leader, their savior, and he's empowered by Satan, their God. And they're like, yeah, they, they, these guys, these are the ones. These are the ones. And they're saying, who is like the beast? Who is greater than the Antichrist? And Satan empowering him. You know, here is Satan, the devil, mimicking God again, right? And this is what Satan wants. What do we say? We say, who is like the Lord? That's what we say. That's what the scriptures say. There's no one greater. There's no one more awesome than the Lord God. But look how it's flipped around here. Who is like the beast? Right? Who can fight against the, the Antichrist? You know what I think? I want to bring this in. I think all of this comes to a peak. It all intersects, intersects when the Antichrist kills the two witnesses in Revelation 11. You remember that? God sent the two witnesses. I think uh, I, I lean toward it. It's Elijah and Moses, yeah? They're doing miracles, right? They're witnessing Jesus Christ. And I, that's why I believe it's the first three and a half years 
yeah, of the tribulation. And then the Antichrist comes and kills them. Who is greater? Who can fight against the guys? Because these guys are powerful, right? They brought fire down, turned water into blood, plagues, stopped the rain. Their forces, maybe regular people, couldn't stop them. They were burned, they were burned, right? But here comes the Antichrist. Who kills them? Why? Because God allowed it, right? God allowed them. And so I think at the, around the same time with all this happening, the Antichrist kills the two witnesses. And could you hear him standing up and saying, you know, they're dead now, and these are the guys who've been bringing all this calamity on our earth and our planet, right? We've been talking about the seals and the trumpets and all the things that are happening. It's them. It's, it's, it's these guys, and it's God. And see, God doesn't care for you. God doesn't want you around. But I'll tell you, Satan does, and I'm the Antichrist. He's helping me, right? No wonder when these witnesses are killed, what does the world do? They celebrate. They give gifts, right? They blame these guys for all the calamity happened. They're like, oh, good riddance, yeah, right? And so the Antichrist takes advantage of this. And at that three-and-a-half-year mark, what does he do? He steps in the rebuilt Jewish temple and declares himself God. So the world, being fully deceived now, brought over fully to this other side, we come to our point, which is our heading. The beast is the Antichrist, the one who the whole world will come to worship. Worship. In the mid-1930s, Germany's economy was failing. Businesses were collapsing. Millions of people out of work. The political leadership there was floundering. This is Germany in the 1930s. People, you know what? They were desperate. And they were looking for a leader to step up and save them. Who steps on the scene? Adolf Hitler. He's this lowly corporal, made his way up the ranks, and then little by little, he took charge of everything. No one knew him before, but he became the central figure in Germany at that time. They say in his speeches, he knew how to capture the minds and hearts of his hearers. He would start soft, talking about peace. Then his tone would begin to rise up into this rage and bringing the people along with him he would, he would get them to this point where it's, he was almost inciting a riot. And then with a, with a wild, shouting crowd, with a loud voice, they give actually worship, I would say, to him, right? Holding up their arms in full allegiance, saying, you know, Heil Hitler. That's what happened then. I think that's what's going to happen in the future in the soon future. Sometimes I think no one in their right mind would do that. But that's right. These guys won't be in their right minds. Listen, listen closely. The spirit of the Antichrist is already working. John wrote that in 1 John 4, I think. Satan knows how to get to this world. 
Satan knows how to get to us. Listen to the hype. To get all emotional. Catch us emotionally. Get all angry. Get all, yeah, yeah. And then we give allegiance to things that he wants you to focus on. And you know what I see a lot today? There's in the world, and even with Christians, there's a focus on our comfort, our convenience, my rights, and of course in the U.S., our independence, right? You know what I keep going back to? I keep going back to, God, I, want, I don't ever want to forget that I have been bought with a price. And I don't belong to myself anymore. And that's what Satan does, try and get you off track, ultimately want what he wants. Is that what's happening? I think that's what's happening with the world. I definitely do. Caught up in this emotion, caught up in these issues, caught up in getting hostile and emotional, all into these things. And Christians are too. And I think we've gotten off track to what really matters. You know, I was thinking about when Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew 4. You remember that? And in the last temptation, Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, right? All you need to do is fall down and worship me. But Jesus replied in Matthew 4.10, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus rejected it, but the Antichrist took it all. Why? Because he worships Satan. He serves Satan. Who do you serve today? Who do you serve? Yourself? The things of this world? Materialism, material things? Your emotions? Sometimes Some of us just serve our emotions. Whatever it's feeling, that's what we're going to do and we're going to be. Who do you serve? Who you serve, it's who you worship. What you worship, you will serve. You will serve. Let it be for you and I that we will serve Jesus and worship him only. That we will give our life to him. No matter what's there in the world. No matter what goes on. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, his soul? Luke 9.25 I'll close with this. Jim Elliott once said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So let's be like that. Let's not be like this Antichrist. Let's not be like the world. Let's not fall into the hands of the deceiver. Let's not go the way of this guy, the one who will come to rule the world, the one who the world will come to worship. Who is this? The Antichrist. The one to come. Let's not get caught up in that. Let's pray. Lord, we've learned so much. And uh, hopefully, God, we understand the issues, even if we can't remember everything. But God, we want to have ears of faith, Lord, to hear what you're saying to us. God, we want to have eyes of faith to see in your word the truths before us. God, we want to have a heart of faith to believe that these things are coming, and that's why the world 
is the world today. And as we live in it, God, it is crazy. As we navigate through it, as we, as we sort out what's true, what's not, what's propaganda, what's conspiracy, what's misinformation, what's really happening, God, show us by your Holy Spirit. I know when I prayed, Lord, every time what you've done is you led me back to you. To not be caught up in where the world is rolling into. But God, I want my heart to be caught up in you, Jesus. And though as the world gets more crazy and things are going on, Lord, it's hard. We can be gripped with worry and concern and even fear. But you have told us in Isaiah 41.10 to fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. And so, Lord, in taking what we've learned today and understanding the world today, we cling to you to be our help today. Thank you, Jesus, for being here right now. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's all stand.